I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called the Lord and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Thus says the word of the Lord. I want to pray for you, uh, and then we'll get on. Father, we are so grateful for your word that's so encouraging and so true and so from your mouth. Lord, this is a, a, a beautiful word. So, Father, I pray that you would impregnate us with a desire to learn, to read, to seek your face, to pursue you. Lord, that as parents, we would worship you, honor you, lift you up, give you all glory and all honor and all praise. Lord, I pray that during this series, you would speak to our hearts, that you would draw us to yourself, that you would in many different ways, help us to glorify you. Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, give me words to say. Help us to be comforted, convicted, drawn to yourself. Help us to be broken before you. Father, I know that there are marriages and families that have come who have not the easiest of weeks or even the easiest of mornings. And Lord, they 
rode in on great bitterness and anger, frustration and biting one another. My prayer, of course, is, Lord, that you would bring about great healing and great restoration, that you would be able to let them rest in you, whatever fretfulness is in their heart or mind, Lord, that it would be at ease because of your presence. Holy Spirit, be here now. Touch every heart and every mind. Let everyone be moved to focus in on your word and be stirred to do your will. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name that there would be a great uh, revival in the hearts and the lives of those that are here. That we would, for those who do not know you, would know you today. And for those who are in the family but not behaving as children, Lord, I pray that uh, you would bring them to brokenness and to yourself. Thank you for your great spirit and your wonder and your joy and your beauty. Help us to dive deeper in your word. Lord, I pray for those. I pray for Manny and his family, Lord, his sister. I pray for the cancer that they just found in her brain, Lord, that you would do some miraculous things to remove that. Father, I pray that you would give the family a rest in you, that they would trust your sovereignty. And Father, I also pray that you would give her a peace, a suffering grace to endure that which she's enduring. I pray that she would find joy first in resting in you and seeking your face. Lord, let the peace that surpasses all understanding go above them now. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm so glad to be with you, and I'm so glad to be speaking on this subject. Um, let me tell you, the reason that, why are we speaking on parenting? We're, we're starting a brand new s- series called Parenting by the Book. And the reason, why are we starting a new series? Didn't we just like do one like two years ago? And the reason is, is because we need to, as parents, this is something that we need to revisit. Now, some of you who are not parents... You need to just simply take this in, listen, and really absorb what's being said. Because the statistics are that you will, most people, will be married and will have children. At least in the United States, the statistics are over 80% of the people will be married and will have children. So this has implications for everyone. You also have nieces and nephews. Uh, Maybe your grandparents, and you want to be able to direct your children and help them. Maybe you didn't do such a good job yourself. And maybe you're reflecting and you're you're thinking, you know, gosh, I wish I would have gotten it right. I wish I would have done more things. If you're like me, you're in the midst of parenting right now. And you need all the help you can get. And so uh, we we, we got this series. So for some of you, this is going to be new stuff that you're not going to hit this sort of parenting uh, stage in your life, you're not going to hit it for another couple of years. Some of you just got into it, right? Just found out the wife is pregnant, just found out that you're going to have, or, or just had the baby, and you're like, wow, this is a timely series. Really want to know about this. And for others of you, it's going to be, wow, gosh, I, there's some mistakes that I've been making, and I, I need to sort of change the trajectory of the way I'm raising the children or even, you know, helping to raise the grandchildren. And so I pray that you would stay focused. I pray. Now, there are, are two, uh, other than the Bible, there are two, the, at the, in the presentation of this series, 
was really influenced by two books. I'm going to give them to you now. One is called uh, Preparing Your Son for Every Man's Battle. Preparing Your Son for Every Man's Battle. This is a book that I read with my son years ago. The, the, the basis of this book, if you got this book, you know that this book, and it was brilliant. What this book did was half of the book, half of the book was for the parent. Like before it ever said one thing, uh, and, and every man's battle is a series of books, right? And it's dealing with lust and sex and temptation and how do you handle it and what do you do, you know, when those temptations and lust. And so there's a series of books called Every Man's Battle, right? And there's, you got every woman's battle now, every, you know, whatever's battle, right? And so now they have preparing your kids for every man's battle. Well, the reason that I read it is because, you know, my son was growing up and he was going to hit. And the time to talk to your kids about sex is not when they're into it, right? Not when they desire it. How many people know? That's, the, that's just not the time to talk to your kids. It's too late. When they're watching pornography, when they're, you know, they, you know they're, and, and I'm, it's probably not too late in the sense that there's some good that you can do, but you're running late. And so I started to talk to my kids about sex, my son in particular. My wife is talking to my daughters about sex. Um, I started talking to my son about it when he was about hmm, eight, nine years old, in age-appropriate ways. In age-appropriate, we weren't, we weren't having the conversations that we have today when he was eight years old. I hope you understand that, right? No slideshows, no pictures, nothing like that, right? We need to say that in, in this crowd. So, um, so we, you know, there were some things that we... But in the book, now this is why this particular book was so valuable. This book was so valuable is because about 100 pages before I ever got to speak with my son, it talked to me about me, about my own issues, about my own stuff, about how to speak to my son. About, like, so the book was bigger about talking about how I would handle the conversation. And it's, you know, how like, you know, when we grow up, we hear, you know, oh, did you have the talk with your dad? Or did you have the talk with your mom? Nowadays, it's not the talk. Nowadays, it's the discussion. It's over and over and over again. Throughout the years, I've had the discussion with my son uh, and with my kids about, you know, with my daughters, hey, these are called private parts. The only people who get to see these is your mirror, and maybe your sisters when you're taking a shower and stuff like that. But nobody else. You know, age-appropriate stuff. And then as you go older, you know, hey, kissing is for married people. You know, now that we're in that stage with the girls and, you know, my son's a little bit more advanced than that. And there's different discussions about that. The point is, is that this book helped to really address my stuff before I addressed my kids. Why is this important for this series? Because in this series, the last series that we did... All we did mostly was talk about, okay, here's how you're going to treat your children. Here's the boundaries you're going to have. Here are the, uh, are, are the standards. And this is what you want your kids to achieve. And this is what you want your kids to do. And this is what you want your kids to grow in. Here's what you want to put before your kids. And here. So we did that, a lot of that. And then the series was over. Everybody was real jazzed. And then a, about a year later, it was like almost nothing had happened. It was like as if, as if nobody listened. Or if it fell on deaf ears. Or, or like everything that we said was of no consequence. 
And that's not like a rebuke or anything like that. It was just, it was just an observation. And I was like wondering, well, why did that happen? And I, ah, I know. Because it was the heart of the parent that needs to be changed. Like before you go and give a bunch of set, you know, in other words, if you go, you know, uh, if you give a set of rules to your kids and you just tell them, obey these rules, and then you start doing some wacky, crazy stuff, they're just not going to obey you. I just remember one time, um, my brother, uh, who was just doing the best he could, and I was a crazy kid, right? My father had left the house. My brother was pretty much the man of the house. He was almost, only like 16 at the time. And then he, it was, you know, he said something that I'll never forget. And, you know, again, he was young, and he was, I, was, I was frustrating him to no end. He goes, and I guess I was cursing up a storm, and he says, there's not going to be any more bleeping cursing in this house. Now, he didn't use the word bleeping, right? But you, you, you get what I'm saying, right? And so we all kind of looked at it, and I was like, okay. And then we, you know, we, nobody laughed because, you know, he was real serious, and it was pretty big. And so we didn't laugh, but what, what I did notice is that it didn't have any effect. Parents, listen. It will not have an effect on your children unless we address your heart. If you don't have kids, your heart needs to be addressed for the glory of God. This needs to be something that's immensely important to you. Okay, so that's one book, and you can get that. And if your kids are coming of age, um, please get that. If, you're 12 year, if your kids are 12 years old, um, you're running late. And so get the book. And there's another book. This one, everybody in this audience should get. If you got kids, you should get this book. You would grow. If you don't have kids, you should get this book. You would grow. And it's by Ted Tripp. It's called Shepherding a Child's Heart. Shepherding a Child's Heart. It's one of the best books um, out there on, um, on rearing a child. And in this book has just a lot of information, mostly on the glory of God and raising your children up for the glory of God. Listen, here's the reality. Here's what we're up against, right? As we're raising children, know this, that we're up against a society that is absolutely bent on raising our children to be insane outside of the boundaries of God's word. Listen, listen. And here's the thing. Some of us here have bought in to a lot of those lies. And so because of that, we need to sort of unlearn those lies ourselves and start practicing some new things, things that are in God's word. Now, my, my longing, my desire for you is that you would not feel like guilty, especially if you're like me. Throughout this entire week, I felt like really guilty and grieved as I started. Because all, all you do is like, man, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I tried to do that, and then I stopped. I failed to do that. I wanted to do that, but and then I didn't. You know. And so you're going to feel that as we go on in this series. Here's, my, here's the deal. I want you to know that they're in Christ Jesus... We have a, it's a new day. In Christ Jesus, there's a new opportunity. I don't care if your kids are 37. You have an opportunity to affect them for the glory 
of God. Now, um, I, I want us to... Um, uh, I, I, I put the question out on my Facebook, Twitter thing about, you know, what are the, some of the ideas, or what are some of the passions, or what are some of the struggles that you have when it comes to raising your kids? And here's some of the things that I got back. And I got quite a few things back from people, and I just wanted to share. And I was wondering if anybody could identify with any one of these. And so, like, one of the first questions that rolled up was, how do I raise a child as a single female parent without a father role available? Like, is, this is a... This is a... Do you know that there are more children now in America who are born out of wedlock than in? Did you know that? There are, there's an enormous amount of children who are being raised in single family homes. Who here came from a single family home? By the time I was 12, I was in a single family, a single parent home. It's a lot of us. Wow. See, see. This is an incredible question. What do I do? We're going to answer this question throughout this series. By the way, if you're new, welcome to NBT. When we do series, it's never like what you used to. Like if you ever went to another church, it's not, we don't have like three points and a conclusion. What we do is we take series like, like a movie. Like a movie. Think of it like a movie. When you think of our series, I want you to think of it like a movie. Let me, let me tell you why. What we do is like there's an opening scene. That's like the introduction. And then there's like, you know, second and third, and there's the body, and then there's the climax, and then there's the conclusion. Well, it's sort of like that. And so if today you leave here and go, gosh, I don't think like I learned a whole lot about parenting. You're right. (laughs) We're not trying to. We're just trying to set up the series so that we can answer some real questions, but we need to lay the foundation first today. Okay. Now, if you guys are, I know it's really, really hot, feel free. In the back, there's coolers. We have water inside those coolers. If you didn't get water when you came in, if you're hot, feel free to go back. Um, we have the fans uh, rotating and moving around to keep you. And if you feel like you're getting sleepy, this is really important. I won't be offended. Stand up, walk to the back, but just, you know, stay awake. This is important stuff. Next question um, is, how can I be a great parent if I don't hold down a job and go to school? Like balancing everything. So in other words, the question is about time. You know, how, does, how is one who goes to school, has a full-time job, and then has to parent, how can this person, how can this person be um, best, a, a, a best and productive parent? Gosh, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, next, because we, isn't it true? That sometimes the, our greatest um, thing is that we just don't have enough time. We just don't have enough. Well, you know, go play outside with your son. I just don't have enough time. I just don't have enough energy. We're, we're going to talk about that. Okay, the next one. Um, how husbands and wives can be on the same page with parenting or types of discipline. Oh, man. If you want to invite holy hell into your life, get married to a person without talking about, to them about how they want to raise children. Go ahead and get married to somebody without talking to them about how they want to raise children. You will invite holy hell. Here's how it usually goes, right? We have parent number one. Parent number one is a discipliner. I mean, it's A, B, C, you, you know, you know, see you later. It's my way or the highway. It's 
five steps to fixing your bet. It's organization, it's boundaries, it's, right? There's that parent, right? And then that parent's greatest enemy is the one that they're married to. This parent, this parent's greatest endeavor is to be the kid's best friend. So they'll wear the kid's clothes, they'll talk the kid's language, they'll... And this parent, boundaries, we don't need no stinking boundaries. We could just keep on going, doing whatever we want. Oh, we would just... Hey, honey, he just cursed at you. Uh, we were just playing. Hey, honey, did you see the way they just respect, disrespected you? Oh, they didn't mean it. Hey, honey, did you see the way they just totally disobeyed what you just asked them to do? Oh, I'll do it for them. Oh, man. You want to talk about a great formula for divorce court? This one will do. We're going to talk about this, too. We want, watch this. Here's, here, it's, your way is not the best way. And her way is not the best way. God's way is the best way. And there's probably a little bit of what you believe, maybe. A little bit what he believes, maybe. Or not neither of what you believe. Either way, our idea is to conform to the word of God when it comes to parenting. Um, next. Or oh, that's everything. I have a few over here. Um, let's see. How to deal with the stresses of being a single... Oh, we did that one. Um, yeah, no, I'll read it again. No, this is a different one. How to deal with the stresses of being a single parent. Often, listen to what this woman said. Often I feel I get pulled in a hundred different directions. God, family, work, school, friends. Sometimes it's just too much. Parenting is hard enough for two parents. But I think for just one... This, this is a real statement from someone who's really going through this. It can be a bit much sometimes. I tend to fall into depressions. Wow. Next. Um, I overcompensate. Oh, gosh. Everybody, listen. If you were sleeping, listen up. This is really big. This is one of the biggest things that I see in this church this is like our number one enemy in this church. So everybody just raise your hands and clap with me for a second, okay? Okay. We need to be really excellent. I want you to be... All right. Great. This is big. Listen to this one. This one came from someone. Uh, yeah, you could stop. That's okay. Thanks. So obedient. Thank you. What's this? Truly, this came from a heart. I overcompensate with material things because of the guilt that I have of the past. Um, I really need to find the time, energy, um, to talk to each one of uh, them. And then she names how many she has. I'm just kind of editing. Listen. This right here, listen. If you suffer from guilt... Okay. Let's talk NBT, okay? This is not for the podcast. I mean, I mean, if it's for, it's for the podcast, I mean, we have a podcast. Go ahead and listen. Let, this is for the person sitting in your seat. Listen to me. Listen to me. There are a bunch of us here who used drugs, abandoned our children, or weren't there for a period of time, or a bunch of us who got married to the wrong person, got divorced, and feel the pain of that, or were somehow physically abused and, you know, 
shared that with their children, and now they can't. Okay, listen to me. If there's any kind of guilt in your heart when it comes to your children, if you are exercising out of guilt, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, every single parent, to, you know, some to a small degree in NBT, some to an incredible... I, would, I can't say every single parent because I just thought of one that, I, that doesn't. 99.9% of the parents here, probably the person sitting in your seat, right, that I've talked to at NBT has shades, percentages of this dynamic working in their heart. And there's this guilt feeling like the divorce, so you don't tell your kids no, so you let them stay out until all hours, or you used for such a long period of time. So in order to put boundaries up now, they go, they, they help you with your guilt. Hey, aren't people good like that? They'll just love to help you with their guilt. And your kids will say things like this to you. Wait up. You weren't there for me before. Wait, 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 wait. Now you're going to start acting like my parent? Wait, wait, wait. Now you're gonna, you, you get the sort of guilt. And, and you know what? It's an ironclad argument. You can't win, right? Because the past is the past, and you can't change it, and there's nothing that you can do about it. Listen to me. Listen to me. Guilt is a very powerful, powerful emotion. And I understand what can motivate a parent. But if you parent out of guilt, you are doing the child a disservice. Listen to me. Listen to me. Your child will suffer in the long run if you parent out of guilt. Because, listen to me, you're the only one who feels like you owe your kid. And you will give them a foundation in life where they'll feel like everyone owes them something. The nightmare, of course, is the only truth is that you're the only one who feels like they owe them. So when they come in late a bunch of times to work and their boss fires them and they go, they're totally shocked. Why? Because mom never let any consequences come through as the kid, you know, came home late, picked up a beer, smoked cigarettes, cursed, was disrespectful, didn't do their chores. Since mom had no consequences, since dad had no consequences, the kid thinks life is full of no consequences. And will in fact, listen to me, if you start raising your kids in this way, in the end, they will hate you for it. They will hate. I wish I could convince you of this. It's now no longer theory for me. I've been doing, I've been pastoring a church and I've seen the first generation of the kids who came to this church who the parents just totally disobeyed this, right? And they're in their 19, they're 20, they're 22, they're 23. They came in, they were about 15, seven years later. They're like 22 now. And I'm, there's such animosity 
for the parents. It's not theory anymore. We were waving the flag years ago. We were saying, this is not going to end well. Your kids are not going to love you more. Your kids are not going to be grateful. What they're going to do is they're going to get mad the day that you wake up and stop enabling them. The day that you finally wake up and stop being their God. Well, they're just going to resent you for it. It's like you changed the rules. It was like bait and switch. And, and in fact, it is. It is bait and switch. We did, no, no, I, I understand that at one time in my life, this is the way I would behave and react and act towards you. But no, it really is a new day. And there cannot be. Now listen, some of you are sitting here right now. And the, if I went to the foundational book of your parenting, the big title in eight foot letters would be called guilt. And I just want to speak to you for a second. I want to speak to you as your pastor. Listen to me. If, you, if you're suffering with guilt right now, I just, I just would beg you to bring it to Jesus. I would beg you. Every instance, oh, but I left her in her diaper for two days while I went out and did... I understand. I understand. Oh, but, you know, I gave her up for foster care because I just needed the next... I, listen. I understand. I understand. Oh, but, listen, I, 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 I gave her to my grand, my mother so that she could raise her because I was going to... I wasn't there for her. I wasn't... Like, whatever it is, I just want to... I just want to... Listen. In Christ. And I just want to say this in the name of Jesus. In Christ, you are forgiven. In Christ, there is forgiveness even for you. In Christ, there is a healing even for you. Even for me. Throughout the series, I'm going to be sharing some of my greatest mistakes, some of my most embarrassing moments. I'm going to do that so that you don't feel alone. One of the things that I'm most ashamed about happened only about five years ago. Uh, No, happened a little bit. I was a pastor. I was still a pastor, so it's less than seven years ago. And um, it happened with my oldest daughter. And uh, I asked her to do something, and then I watched her, and she didn't do it, and she totally, you know, she did something different. She was uh, doing some, so whatever she was doing, right? Now, the thing with me is that I get, if my kids start to lie to me, I get anxious about it. Like, when I hear them saying things that are not true, it's hard for me to hold myself together. I hold myself together sometimes in hopes that I can lead them to tell the truth, But it's hard for me to hold myself together because I know that if you start being deceitful to me, that's a habit that's tough to break and you can, all right. But I was, you know, so it's about seven, maybe eight years ago. And my daughter did something and I said, uh, Serenity, did you do A, B, and C? And she goes, no, I did not do A, B, and C. I saw you do it. I mean, I saw you with my eyes. It's not like my kid came up to me, my wife came up to me. I said, I saw you do it. Did you do A, B, and C? Six minutes later, I'm about, like, I'm about as angry as I can get. Like, you know how, like, some of y'all get in traffic, 
I'm like that angry, right? I'm furious. I'm getting to the point of being uncontrollable. Oops, I already passed it. I grabbed her hand, and all, what I wanted to do was smack her in the hiney and ask the question again. That was the plan. That did not happen. What I did was I went, and it was just so fast, I just jumped out of my chair, grabbed her hand, didn't really have her hand, and in anger, hit her in the hiney, didn't have her hand. Her little body went flying into the corner of the doorpost. Bam. Hit her mouth, started to bleed. Yeah, just, you ever have a moment like that? You have a moment where you just lost control and you were just wrong and sinned? And then it got worse. I put, you know, a little ice. It was a Wednesday. Anybody here knows what happens on Wednesdays? It's prayer night. I had to preach for pray, for, and pray with the congregation. I was putting an ice thing on her lip because she hit it really good. She was bleeding good. I put it on her lip. This killed me. I cried. I held the lip. She said, it's okay, papi. I forgive you. It's okay. You ever had a moment like that? I wanted to die. I wanted to die. We've all had moments like that. I've had dozens of moments like that where I just regret. I wish I hadn't said. I wish I hadn't done. I wish I hadn't acted. I wish I, I, wish I could have just walked away. Come, we're going to talk about disciplining and what it looks like to discipline. Now, this is for the entire series, all the things that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about, we're going to talk about the heart of your child, how to raise your children to have a heart for God. We're going to talk about discipline. Discipline is going to be towards the end. We're going to talk about the glory of God, how to raise your children for the glory of God. All of this is going to happen. But this cannot take place until we address the hearts that are here. And so briefly, I want to address your heart. In in Psalm 34, I recommend that everybody memorize this psalm. I've... uh, I've memorized this psalm. I had to actually go back to it. Have you ever memorized something, then forgot it, and then me- memorized it again and forgot That's what happens with me in this psalm. I've memorized this entire psalm. It's about 22 verses. Not about. It's 22 verses. And it is one of the most profound and glorious psalms that you'll ever read. Because our idea for parenting, this is going to be the big idea for every week. This is going to be the big idea for this entire series. Our hope throughout this series is that my kids would worship my God. I want us all to say that three times, okay? My kids would worship my God. Say it again. My kids would worship my God. Say it again. My kids would worship my God. Now, we're all going to say it again, but we're going to say it with actual passion, right? One, two, three. My kids would worship my God. Now... The only obstacle in that phrase being a good statement is what or who is your God? Let me tell you a couple of enemies of Jesus Christ when it comes to raising your kids. We already talked about a couple of them. 
Some of us, and by the way, by God, I mean the one that you obey and the one that you seek to please. Okay, now watch this. Some of our gods are, again, our kids' approval. Some of us break down, have little mini nervous breakdowns when our kids disapprove of us. If this is your God, you will do your child a disservice. If this is your God, you will hurt your children. You know, the, all, right, you, all right, you know who you are. Um, you're the parent that when you tell the kid, you, your first idea is a good idea. Okay, no, no, no. We're going to shut down the PlayStation. We're going to shut down the DX, uh, the DS, and we're going to, there's not going to be any of that. Listen, you did not perform well on your report card. No internet. Give me back the phone. There's a, your kid gives you a little bit of stress, and you only told them you'd do it for a week, right? Your kid, or, or till the next semester, till you get, you know, they get their grades up, right? Your kids shows you that they are a little displeased with you, and what, what do you do? You crater. You go, well, just try harder next time. Sweetie, I just want you to be better at school. All right, you can watch the internet, play with your friends, and go on the DS. There's absolutely no... Why? Because your God was angry at you. The child's pleasure. Oh, this, this is defeating for us. Okay, there's another God that we need to talk about and defeat. Okay, when you're raising your children, another God is, I don't know what to call it, laziness or convenience or letting the TV babysit your kids. You know, it, I don't know what it is. But there's a God that... If, for some of us, the greatest joy throughout the day is to have no interaction with our kids. In other words, you go home and it's just a little peace and quiet, and you deserve peace and quiet. Quite frankly, you work hard, there's a lot of things you do, I'm not saying that. But there's this sense where, oh man, I just, you know, just watch the TV, just play the video game, just go on the internet, just... And all you want is peace, quiet. You just, man. If that, now, we all need that. And by the way, we're going to talk to you about scheduling that in your day. Like there needs to be, this is something that I, my, my wife and I talk about all the time. And so we fall in and out of where we let the kids, what they want to do, be the barometer for the day. And so if the kids want to go to the pool and the park and play and you know, do all this stuff, then that's what we run and do. This is a nightmare. Your kids don't run the schedule you do. And if, if your deal is just for them to do whatever they want and you just want to be convenient, this can be a horrible God to obey. Um, another God, of course, is money. And if this is your God, then you say things, you know, your kids will say, Daddy, just come home. Just let's, can we hang out? No, I got to work overtime. And you say things to yourself that help you to get through the day. Things like, well, I'm going to provide, I'm going to buy them new clothes. I'm going to send them to a good school. How else am I going to pay for their, you know, tuition or whatever like that? And what happens is, is that you start chasing the dollar and your kids would, your kids would gladly settle for 35% less lifestyle if they could just have more of you. Now, if you're anything like me, you're feeling incredibly guilty. That's not the point of this. 
That's not the idea. Listen, the point is to, to show them and then look at how the scriptures, look at how Jesus is enough. So uh, enough of that. We all need to grow in being a parent. And so our God needs to be Jesus. There's this tremendous psalm in Psalm 34. I pray that you would all memorize it, that you would all commit it to memory. I mean, if you have kids, commit this to memory. If you don't have kids, commit this to memory. And we'll just, I'll tell you, uh, this psalm was written by David. I'm going to share with you the circumstances by the time we're at the end of the psalm. And I just want to just get into it because this is so great. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. To extol is to praise. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Isn't that wonderful? Could you imagine? Your mom dies. His praise is always on my lips. The doctor says cancer. His praise will always be on my lips. The kids get hurt. His praise will always be on my lips. The kids love you. His praise will always be. The kids hate you. His praise will always be on my lips. Listen. Until God is so glorious to you. You can't raise children who live for the glory of God unless God is, a, is all glory to you. Does that make sense? That, that there, you will not be able to raise up your children for the glory of God if God is not all glorious to you. My soul will boast in the Lord, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. My soul will brag. My soul will boast. My soul will tell tales about the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. What I love is that the psalmist goes from an uh, individualistic way of worshiping God to then pluralistic. Oh, I'm not just going to worship... Come on, everybody, worship God with me. Everybody, just come. Let's worship the King. He's so beautiful. He's so glorious. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, David is speaking of himself, this poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers him. This entire psalm is about the greatness of God. You know why? Because God is truly great. God is amazing. God is wonderful. God is glorious. I love this next verse. It says, Taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Taste and see. Listen. This is where I want you guys to come in. I can't, speaking to you about the glory of God is like speaking to my little girls about romantic uh, um, uh, sex within the bonds of marriage, like, you know, when you love one another, right? You, 
If I try to explain to them the beauty of a kiss, the wonder of an embrace, the allowing someone to see you with, you know, bare, to them they would giggle and be embarrassed, and this would not be fun for them. This would be a, a nightmare to them. To explain how a husband goes into his wife would not be for them a joy. It would be, you know, <laughs> you know nervous thing. Oh, you're kidding. There? No way. You know, that's what it would be experiencing. Listen to me. Listen to me. Sometimes I feel like that when I talk about the glory of God in this church. It's like, oh, I'm not sure I want that. I'm not sure that I want God to be glorious and better than everything else. I'm not sure that I want God to be lifted high and, 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 and my all in all. I don't, I'm not sure that I want to be obsessed and overwhelmed and totally undone by this incredibly great God. This verse says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I was going to illustrate this, um, but I didn't, I didn't do it. But I'll tell you what I was going to do. I was going to get ice cream, chocolate ice cream with chocolate chips. Anybody here like chocolate ice cream with chocolate chips? Right, right. Okay, well, I just discovered something, right? I don't have a sweet tooth. This is something I do maybe six times a year. You know, my, my, my family, we go on the road. We'll go to a friendly's, pick it up. I'm not an ice cream guy. Just recently discovered this. Took peanut butter. Has anybody ever done this? I, invent, I thought I invented this. I took peanut butter. Right? Because I really like peanut butter. I'm a peanut butter guy. And I had to justify the chocolate that I was eating. So I figured peanut butter is good for you. So I'll take some peanut butter. And then I mixed it with the chocolate. Has anybody here ever done this? I took chunky peanut butter with the crunchy peanuts. And I mixed it with the chocolate. Ah, It was like heaven. I could not believe. This is what heaven. This is the food that we're going to eat in heaven. Like this was amazing. I had it. And you couldn't have told me about this. You couldn't have said, Edwin, this is really delicious. You should have some. I'd be like, no, nah, it's all right. I'll just jog or I'll just have my carrot or, you know, do what I normally do. I had this thing, rocked my world. True story. Same day I sent my wife out. Now, this never happened ever before. I, I went like this. I said, here, honey, go get Get yourself. No kidding. I said, get yourself a pint. Anybody ever done this with the drug? I said, get yourself a pint and get me one too. And so I was like, I said, she's my runner. So I sent her out and she went to the cop spot and she picked up the haagen and she brought it back like in the brown bag, right? Yo, yo, yo. They didn't have yellow tops, but here I found this one, right? And so, so she brought the whole, you know, she brought the, she brought the, the, the stuff there. And I'm telling you, I finished the pint that she gave me the first time and I finished the other pint. That it was a bad night. I'm still trying to work it off. It was like a year ago. I'm still trying to work it off. You can't run enough to get that. I mean, you know, like you say, you know how like you say, oh, I'll just work it out in the morning. You can't run that far. <laughs> you can't run that far. That's too much hogging up. Well, I had that. And there's, let me tell you something. There's a glory to hogging dolls with peanut butter in it that cannot be explained. In fact, some of y'all are just going to leave here and go ahead and do that, right? There is a glory. There is a delight. I don't have to go four ways for you to delight with Haagen-Dazs and peanut butter. 
I don't have to say, come on, every morning what I want you to do is have a little bit of Haagen-Dazs until you get used to the taste, and then you'll really start to enjoy Haagen-Dazs. I don't have to say, you know what I want you to do? I want you to just make a commitment. Make a commitment that for the next 30 days, you're going to wake up early and have some Haagen-Dazs. I don't have to say, now, now watch this, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sacrifice and buy your pint of Haagen-Dazs. I do not have to do that for you. You know why? Because once you've had it, you can't have enough. You want more. You want more. You want more. There's no other, there's no other way to describe the experience other than more. I want more. There is a glory to Haagen-Dazs with peanut butter. It's wonderful. It's tasty. It, you know, it sets off pleasure in me that's just wonderful. That's what I've, I've wanted to tell you about Jesus. That there shouldn't, that there isn't this sense where, where it's like, oh, I know, let me read a little bit of the Bible and then just kind of, like, or, you know, let me pray a few minutes in the morning. Come on, guys, work it up. You can do it. Discipline yourself. No, 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 no. Taste and see for yourself. If you taste of the Lord, there's a something that stirs up in your soul. There's a something that stirs up. There is an appetite that gets aroused. Taste and see. Now watch this. Don't believe me. Go ahead and taste. Not sure it's true? Go ahead and dive in. Not, you know, you know, I tried this before. When people say, I tried this before, and I didn't get, you know, you haven't tasted. You haven't tasted. Then you have, you had some old bootleg, you know, uh, you know, it wasn't Haagen-Dazs. You know, it might have been Buddha, but it wasn't Jesus. Because, listen to me, taste and see for yourself that the Lord is beyond the bounds of your imaginations. That the Lord is more flavorful, more satisfying. Here, listen to me. All the other little gods that we seek to satisfy, are right? You know, here, what we'll do. We'll have a desire. To, and here's the thing. The problem is, is that we, the problem isn't that we're satisfied we're too hard to satisfy. The problem is, is that we so easily succumb to poor satisfaction. Here's what I mean. You start feeling lonely. You start feeling lonely. And God wants you to feel lonely because He wants you to long for Him. And He wants you to be consumed and supported and embraced and comforted by Him. But we settle for booty calls. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Do you see how you miss out? It's like, it's like a little boy who's satisfied eating mud pies in the park and doesn't want any of the Haagen-Dazs that you're offering. It's, like, it's not that he's too hard to satisfy. It's he's satisfied too easily. You go, you have worries and concern. It's not from the devil. God put it there. 
God put those worries, those concerns. Why? Because he doesn't want you to rely on your ability. and He wants you to submit. And he wants you to see him work in ways that you can't imagine. But and then we run off and we try to manipulate and do our will and lie and all this other stuff. Quick true story. Just happened this week. This happens in, in my life all the time. True story. But it's because it's the tasting and seeing, guys. Listen to me. I, my wife and I have been trying. We moved into a new neighborhood, and the neighborhood has horrible schools. D. Anybody know that if your school gets a D for three years in a row, they shut the school down? That's how bad it is. If any, any school in New York gets a D as its school report card for three years in a row, they shut it down. This school ha- is a D school. So we tried to get our kids um, moved to a different school. Now, honestly, I think it's best that we work within the context of your neighborhood. That's why we're salt and light. We're not trying to protect our kids. We're trying to be salt and light, and God will protect, and we, we can go with, you know, so and all that stuff. But I was just praying, just trying to keep options open because we went on the website and they literally had statements like, the school is a zoo. There is absolutely, you know, the kids abuse the teachers. That kind of school, right? Anybody here ever heard of, um, what was it called? Uh, ch- uh, channel, what was it called? Broad Channel High School? Yeah, yeah, you only hear about it in the news, right? It's like one of the worst schools in the world, right? Yeah. It's, what, it's probably the worst school in all of New York, right? Well, these are the schools that are surrounding us. Broad Channel is walking distance from my house. Then we had elementary schools. Here's the deal. So we put in the... The request came back. You know what it came back as? Denied. No, you got to go to your zone school. The zone school is a war zone. Yeah, go to your zone school. Yeah, but the zone school is dangerous and it's violent. And it's, Yeah, yeah, go to your zone school. Listen to me. So my, immediately, everything inside of me says, don't worry, I'll handle this. What I'll do is I'll put the um, kids down as if they're going to, you know, as if we live here, because we used to live here for two years. We lived in this church. We were homeless for two years. We had to live in this church. My family did. And I said, no problem. We got enough mail that comes to this church. Uh, I'm going to give it to the thing, and we'll handle it. And the Lord said, no, Edwin, no manipulation for you. No lying for you. You're a pastor. Did you not know? And, um, yeah, there's an example that you have to do. I, I don't know if you forgot. I just, I just let, I'm just letting you know. I'm just letting you into my heart. And, and you know, I, I love my kids. I want to protect my kids, right? Everybody understand? Okay. So, uh, no. And so my wife, so thank God my wife and I, my wife and I have this wonderful um, bond that we never freak out at the same time. Either I freak out and she's calm or she freaks out and I'm calm. So the Lord calmed my heart, but now she's freaking out, Right? And she's like, oh, we can't send them to this school and all this other stuff. Here's what we did. I, we just said, you know what? The Lord spoke to my wife's heart. The Lord spoke also to my heart. I said, no, no, no. The Lord immediately spoke to me. I said, no, no. We're going to pray about this. I don't know what's going to happen in this new school year. I don't even know what's going to happen in the next 30 seconds. But God knows what's going to happen in the next 30 years. We can trust him. We'll let him guide us. So Liz goes off to praying because that's a tougher, that's a tougher thing to submit to, to a mom than it is to a pop. I don't know why. It just is. And so she goes off and prays. She gets direction from the Lord, and so she makes a couple of phone calls. Listen to me. Turns out, now watch this. You know how many D's? I just found this out this year. Your school has to get a D three years in a row in order for it to be shut down and for another school to start. 
the D that that school had that we were was the third D in a row. We didn't know that. They're starting two new schools in our neighborhood with like tons of financial support, tons of, they looked at hundreds of resumes. They got the very best teachers that they could. I was talking to the principal and I'm just elated about, listen to me. When I was homeless, I was going, God, why are we still homeless? This is two years. This is too long. God set up the perfect apartment. And if any of y'all been to our apartment, you understand what I mean. I mean, I live in a mansion. You want to talk about, like, you know, I live in a beautiful place. Yeah, I only had to go through two years of homeless to get it. So, you know, you too can live in a mansion if you'll be homeless for two years. Um, here's the point. It's like God set up the whole neighborhood for us. It's like God set up the whole, with the apartment and with the schools. And it's just, it's just listen to me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now watch this. It takes me five minutes to tell that story. It took us three years to go through. Two years and then moving in and all that other stuff. So don't, don't think it's this quickie thing that happens. My point is simply that God is infinitely more satisfying than your booty call. That God is infinitely more satisfying than your finances. That your little God cannot compete with our great God. So why not taste and see that the Lord is good? That is my challenge for you this week. That before we get started talking about your kids and what we're going to do and how we're going to discipline them, before we get started on how to um, uh, uh, put boundaries up for your kids, how to protect your marriage, did you know that the goal is to have your kids in your house shorter than your spouse? Do you understand that? That the kids are supposed to leave before your spouse does. Does that make sense to you? That your kids are sure only supposed to be in your house maybe 20 years. Your spouse, your spouse is supposed to be there for a lifetime. So we, we're going to actually, in this series, we're going to talk about how to guard the marriage. Because I don't know if anybody ever told you this, but kids are little devils to marriage, right? Like they, they just like destroy. Like, like I mean, how many people, right? Before you had a kid, woo, bedroom, firecracker, woo, yeah, baby, taste and see for sure, oh, yeah, all right, you going to wear those boots tonight, oh, yeah, this is going to be a good time, yeah, and then you have kids, and you're like, all right, baby, maybe next week, you know, it's like, you know, the wife goes, just get it over with, <laughs> I just need to sleep, just finish, <laughs> That's not none of y'all. I know y'all are just like thoroughgoing and stuff. We're going to talk about how to guard the relationship. We're going to talk about how to guard, protect the marriage. Here's the point. My kids, let's say it together. My kids would worship my God. My kids would worship my God. Now, here's what we're going to do. This side, we're going to go, my kids, you guys are going to say, would worship, and you guys are going to say, my God, all right? Because that's what we're going to, that's the whole point, right? That my kids would worship my God. Let's try this. And I want everybody to outdo everybody else, okay? Let's try this. My kids would worship my God. My kids would worship my God. My kids would worship my God. 
Okay, now watch this. Y'all are pathetic. Y'all got to get it together, all right? Y'all got to do a little bit better than this. Y'all are doing okay. Y'all can do better. You got more of the people than anybody else, all right? Surely you can do better, okay? Now watch this. We're going to try this again, all right? All right, now. My kids would worship my God. My kids would worship my God. Now watch this. This will happen. This will happen when your God is Jesus. When your God is the only one. Listen to me. David wrote this psalm after, listen to me, he was about to get killed. And he freaked out and pretended to be insane so that the king would send him away. I want to tell you something today. Listen, right now, I want to tell you that there is a king who's not David, who came. Listen to me. There's a king who's not David, who came. And he didn't pretend to be crazy. He gave himself up willingly. And he submitted his life for your sins. And he gave himself up for you to be saved. And he didn't try to uh, get out of the king's hand. He laid himself on the cross and died so that you could be saved, so that you would know eternal life, so that you would know riches that are greater than the riches that you possess now. There's a king who wants to be your God. But listen to me. He will not be secondary in your life. He will not be just one more thing that you take pleasure from. He will not be just one more thing that you do. So this week, I just want you, here's how you're going to do it. Just go, God, this week, God, I want you to rock my world. That's all I want you to do for this week. I dare you. I double dog dare you. If I was right next to you, I'd push your shoulder. I double dog dare you to pray this week, God, I want you to rock my world. And this is what's going to happen. Calamity. Something, something bad's going to happen. Something that you wish wouldn't have happened. You know, you, the, the date that you wanted to happen falls through. You know, the person that you wanted to call doesn't call you back. The money that you were expecting to get didn't come through. The kids were supposed to do, they didn't do. Whatever it was, and I want you to just go, God, in this situation, I want you to rock my world. I want God to start being the one you run to, the one you glorify in, the one that you lift up, that Jesus would be the one that you submit to and raise in prayer and worship, that Jesus would be the one that you rely on for every moment of every day. This week, just go, God, rock my world. Taste and see that the Lord is good because I could talk to you about the glory of God till I'm blue in the face and until you experience him until you dig down deep until you taste it won't happen I'm going to pray for you but I just want you so bad this week in fact bow your heads and as you're bowing your head I just want you to know that Jesus is absolutely in love with you and some of you have just been running for too long some of you have too many different gods. I would beg you, surrender to Jesus. I would beg you, submit your life. Listen, whatever else you have as your God, whether it's your money, whether it's your boyfriend or your girlfriend, whether it's your kids, 
Whatever is your God, they're no good. They only disappoint. The only God that doesn't disappoint is Jesus. So here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray. I pray, oh God, that throughout this series we would learn what it means to taste and see that the Lord is good. And as a direct result, our children would worship you. Our children would adore you. Our children would lift you high. That my kids, Lord, I'm, I'm talking for me now, that my kids would worship my God. That they would worship my Jesus. That they would serve my risen Savior. And Lord, now I pray over each family here, Lord, that, that they would worship Jesus and that their children would worship Jesus and that their children's children would worship Jesus and that their children's children's children would worship the risen Savior. Lord, would you touch our hearts? Would you touch our minds? Lord, would you make it so that this would be true? Help us to come back, for we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.